Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but just call me Rachel. This podcast is the place to learn about really feeling our emotions, mastering the mind, being aware of our energy, and tuning into our own intuition for the purpose of living in bliss, freedom, health, peace, love, and what I call our godly potential. Yes, it's possible. I would love to stay connected with you. If you want updates about Rev with Rachel and living a Rev life, please go to RevWithRachel.com and enter your name and email address. And you can also like Rev Life on Facebook. Today's episode is Fear is a Choice with Jim Case. Welcome to the show, Jim. Good morning, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. It's awesome to connect with you. I met you many years ago through Higher Brain Living and attending those retreats and things like that. But um, it's so cool to see what you're doing now. You you just finished your your first first book and you Mm -hmm. have your Adventures in Truth live cast. And it's always just been a delight to um, hear you and what you're speaking on. It's it's such an important um, transformation we can make in our life. So Will you start by telling us about um, your personal story and how you came to be teaching about this and writing about it now? Sure. Um, uh, first, let me say, uh, I love your intro, by the way. Thank you. Um, I love uh, how the scope of it. Um, so about me and the evolution of my process, the, the image that sticks in my head uh, when I was 15, um, I, I, as far as childhoods are concerned. I had a very good childhood. Um, Mm -hmm. My parents were both present. Um, uh, You know, we lived in a, we lived on a, uh, for the most of my childhood, we lived on a, a a street in the middle of cornfields with 13 houses. So it was a close-knit neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, But from a very early age, um, I was pushing boundaries. Um, In in that time, uh, I was going through a major shift in, in my own personal focus and sexuality and and uh that went through high school so the moment the moment that sort of catalyzes this idea of fear as a choice was i had uh as as most kids uh, you know i had my my diversions and one of my diversions was sneaking out of my parents house at odd hours of the night and borrowing their car to go out and play with other people <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and um and there was my mom had knew it was happening. Uh, anyway, sh- long story short, the uh, this particular time um, they had she had kind of gone through this stage process of of wanting to catch me at this because they couldn't figure out how I was getting out of the house and mm-hmm. um, and I had made a key and uh, so this particular time I came home and my mom had locked all the screen doors so I couldn't get in the house without knocking mm-hmm. and I stood there for a minute. I lived five miles from the nearest town. Um, there was one thirty in the morning and I stood there and I went, you know, yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. I turned, and I turned around and walked away, um, and never went back. Um, mm. um, never went back home. Never went back home. I mean, never saying I never moved back home. I left home and I stayed left. And, okay. and I mean, over the years, our relationship has, has, uh, evolved brilliantly and, and I'm very close with my family, uh-huh. uh, uh, both all three of my brothers and my mom and my dad passed about a year ago. Um, so that really started this, this stepping into my kind of, um, I don't know what the word is for it. Uh, just following my, whatever, following my energy, following the things that really meant the most to me and, Mm -hmm. and not allowing myself because, you know, thinking at 15 years old, I was out on my own. I was looking for jobs. I was trying to finish school I was, you know, there was a lot of things going on there, but that was preferred to staying in, in, in an experience that, that I wasn't feeling was letting me thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a big transition there. So that led to, um, I, I met, uh, I was working at a restaurant in, in New York. I mean, there was a lot of things that happened, but there were key points in mm-hmm. my experience where, interestingly enough, the, the mentor that showed up for me was a very powerful, strong female. 
And I've had probably five of those through the course of my life. And I don't mean like peripheral people. These were very powerful in their own right. Women who uh, saw something in me or, or connected with me in some way. And I connected with them. It was never about relationships. It was never about intimacy. It was, it was this mentor who was guiding me at a certain aspect of my life. And so that's where I met um, uh, the first of the first of, of quite a few and and um she became uh, i met her and her husband in a restaurant that i worked at in lambertville new jersey and and um she encouraged me to come audition for her in new york because at that point in my life i thought i was going to be an actor and i was going to be a star mm -hmm. <laughs> so um i pursued that uh, i did audition she uh she accepted me into her studio i moved to new york city um lived in new york city for a year and a half studied under her learned that um, I didn't have the skin for that business even a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I was young, naive, and highly arrogant. So <laughs> that, combination, <laughs> that combination did not fly well in that. I mean, maybe if I had used it better, I don't know. But um, And you didn't yet know you were already a star made of star stuff. Yeah, no, I don't think, I, I don't think I'd really. There, was, there were a, a number of things. Once I moved to New York, then... Um, through a very dear friend, I met the person who would become the woman who would become my wife for 24 years, but who also became an incredible teacher and mentor for me. Um, and that was Mona. She, I met her through a very dear friend from Pennsylvania. Mona came to New York. I hosted her. She was a, a, a powerful um, channel and teacher and a naturopath and um, went around the world doing, or went around the country doing seminars and tours and things. And um, so she hated me from the moment she met me. Um, <laughs> she wanted nothing to do with me. Uh, I, I went through a period uh, initially when we first met because she seemed to have answers or she seemed to have be able to help me find answers. And, and so I would call her and to ask a question or to set up something and she wouldn't call me back. So I'd call her back and then I'd call her back and then I'd call her back. And at one point I remember having a conversation where uh, she was so disgusted with me because I think I'd called her 12 times mm. in the course of like an afternoon trying to get her to respond to me. <laughs> so, so as a young person, you know, had a lot, a lot of growth and things to go through. But uh, uh, then um, in April, uh, I don't, I'm trying to remember the year. I was terrible about year remembering. Um, but I had, I was still living in New York. They had come through. It was probably three or four months later. And I had reached a crossroads, which I realized that the acting thing wasn't it. Um, I had had a long conversation with Sandy, the, my coach. I had separate, severed that relationship. And now I was like, I don't know what to do now. Uh, this is what I thought my plan was. Hmm. Um, this is what I thought was going to be it. I, I mean, everything was perfect. I met these people. I moved to New York. I got to be in New York and I'm living in New York. And so I sat down one night and wrote a Dear God letter um, my, my dear God letters are those, you know, I'm, I'm at, I'm at, I'm at what I think is the bottom and now I got to find my way out of this. And so I wrote this long letter, you know, and, and the first three quarters of it was, wah, 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 you know, and, and I know I, that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to a point uh, at the end of the letter when I finally said, you know what, God, I'm done playing games. I'm yours. I don't care what you do with me. I don't care what you, where you send me but do something because I can't live like this anymore. Mm. Um, bear in mind, one other piece that I neglected to put in before I left home, uh, or no, that was after I left home. Oh Lord, yeah, that was after I left home. Uh, I, I, uh, my best friend, I went to visit in, in a private Catholic college for a weekend and decided that, I need, that that was my next experience was that I was going to, um, that I was going to go to this private Catholic college with the idea that the potential was that I could become uh, a priest. Mm -hmm. because that was another theme that was very strong in my, as a young person. Okay. I'd always felt that kind of monastic feeling, that sort of priestly ideal. Um, I didn't care for the structure of the religion, but I, I loved the devotion of the religion. Mm -hmm. And um, because I felt that in myself all the time, I felt that connection. I felt that um, even though I didn't really have a strong uh, peripherally to things like meditation and yoga. I was young and, and not very focused, but I was very focused on this connection, this communication that I felt like I could consistently have. Cool. So that, that communication is what led to New York, which was what led to 
the the dear God letter was, if this isn't what it was supposed to be, what did I where did I go wrong here? God, help me out. Where take me? Do something with me. Put me to work. Mm-hmm. Literally twelve hours later, I got a call from Mona. Um, she was moving from California to Arizona to create a natural a natural healing center, and I, that's something that I had known about for a while and was interested in, but didn't really know how it would be a part of it or if I could even be a part of it. So 12 hours after I wrote that letter, literally 12 hours, she called and said, look, um, we're getting ready to move and we need somebody who can come and hang out and watch kids and just sort of be a general person to help out while we get the center going and get things. So I was, wasn't even considered as a part of this organization, except to be like, you know, <laughs> a babysitter and take care of things. Uh-huh. Not knowing why she had actually called me because I truly, she, she, she thought I was the most arrogant person she'd ever met. <laughs> and so we're on the phone talking and I said, well, my God, yes, I'm interested. It's going to take me a couple of months to get my life together so I can do this. And she said, well, do what you got to do. And we're getting there by then. And, you know, we did all that. And I got off the phone and I sat down and looked at my stuff. I literally had five things to do. Mm. Um, the phone call happened on a Thursday. I flew out on Monday. Oh, wow. Um, Because I had to literally get rid of my stuff. I had to call my mother. I had to pay the electric bill, tell my landlord. It was like five stupid things that were very easy. (laughs) And and then that led to 24 years in Arizona and the most incredible uh, school of training that I'd ever been for. Because when I arrived in in Arizona, I was sick and didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Um, I had... uh, I contracted a, a cryptosporidium, which is a very deadly parasite that lives in your in your intestines. Okay. And didn't know it. I had gone before I left New York. I had gone on a brown rice diet because at that time that was the fad. That, you know, that if you wanted to lose weight and feel good, and you know, just this brown rice diet was it. Oh. So I had been on the brown rice diet for about a week, and I thought I was looking looking good. You know, <laughs> I lost weight. I was feeling good. Well, that whole thing of you when you don't have a, a relationship with yourself in a way that you can see yourself. Um, I landed in Arizona um, not knowing that, that I was at that point, I think at 104 pounds. Oh, wow. Um, and, and my normal weight was 160, 170. Mm. Um, so Mona had not seen me in that two or three month interim and we had not talked at all much. And, and so what she saw before when she left New Jersey to what she saw when I moved to Arizona was a totally different human being mm-hmm. um, physically. So that began a process of not only was I participating, but I was also in essence being a client to this process because I was, I was a sick puppy um, and uh, went through about a year of intensive emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, everything, cleaning, cleansing, processing, uh, quite an extraordinary, an extraordinary year initially that led to, um, uh, I got well, um, I got strong, uh, a lot of changes and it was a really good foundation for what she was already doing. Um, which was the golden Phoenix healing and light center, which was a, a place where people could come for anywhere from six weeks to three months to go through an intensive program that was loosely based on Gerson therapy, which at the time was the big cancer therapy that you would go to Mexico for. Okay. Um, and uh, so we worked with a doctor, uh, a local doctor who helped with people who came with medications so that they could be monitored. So that became actually, um, I became the director of aliveness for that center. Um, and we were there for about seven years. Um, and so I was doing um, all the physical therapies, including aliveness therapy, which was literally take loading these guys up in vans and taking them out and, and hiking them in the mountains of Sedona or up to the Grand Canyon um, to re-stimulate their aliveness, to bring wow. their awareness back to the fact that they weren't dead. Um, yeah. Because this was the beginning of the AIDS ep- epidemic. Um, so we worked with people from everything from uh, uh, lupus to um, allergies, to cancer, to AIDS, to MS, to uh, just about everything. And, um, we would have groups in that would, the larger groups would come for six weeks and they would go through the first week was a bowel detox. The second week was the power intensive, which was the uh, workshop that we did to break down all of the emotional structures and belief systems that they had built up about who and what they were and what, where, whether or not they could live or die. Mm -hmm. And also to confront their mortality. 
Um, I got to work with incredible people, some of whom are still alive today, um, thriving and doing beautifully. Uh, and I also got to sit and hold people in my lap as they died. Um, so, so I got to really experience the gambit of, of the life and death process and, and how to help people transition and, and more and more realizing that fear for me was not really an option. Um, and that in that thought process, realizing that, wait a second, if it's not an option, then it must be a choice. There must be something more to this because I'm confronted every day with these things that should, that apparently should be fearful but I don't make that choice. Why is that? So that began, uh, you know, a, a process over the years. Cause I was in San Diego, I was in Arizona for 24 years. But after the center closed, um, we moved, my, my wife went into, went back to school. Um, we moved, uh, down to the Phoenix area in Glendale and, and, um, and that was largely kind of a reintegration back into society in a way. Um, she continued with private practice and, and then I needed to figure out what I was going to do because we had a whole line of herbal medicine and she had a private practice, but I was still trying to find my, you know, find my, my place in the world in that regard. So, mm -hmm. um, that yeah. one, that went on sort of, no, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say it's quite a journey and lessons learned, I'm sure. And oh my gosh. And, oh my gosh. This is, yeah. your story is amazing. And I love what they were doing. And through this aliveness coaching and stuff. That is cool. It, it was extraordinary. And Mona was, um, the other thing that's interesting about this relationship, Mona was trained by the Hopi. She was a, she was a, a, a medicine woman and shaman through the Hopi mm -hmm. um, and spent years, uh, like a decade training with them in addition to um, a whole bunch of other stuff that she had done. And so she was, for me, uh, as much as she was my wife, she was my teacher and my mentor. Um, she was 21 years my senior, um, and we were married for 24 years. So it was an interesting and it was an amazing relationship. We're still friends. Um, mm -hmm. I still speak to her probably once a week or so, just just as you know, uh, two people who love each other and, and care about their wellness. And um, you know, she's still a, a powerful force in the world. And, well in my life anyway, because she's still an extraordinary human being, but mm -hmm. um, she kicked my ass for 20 years. Um, I mean, <laughs> and I mean, kicked my ass. She didn't let me off the hook for nothing. Mm. And I, I, I will, I don't think I'll ever be able to express the depth of my gratitude to her. And I do it as often as I can um, because uh, I was not easy. Um, the arrogance that lived inside of me, from a very young age was not yielding. <laughs> yeah, it took a while. <laughs> and, uh, it took a while. And, and not only that, but I carry this enormous amount of energy. I mean, we all do, but I have, I carry a lot of energy and, mm -hmm. and I was continually misusing it. Mm. Um, I, 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 without a heart, without even a thought, if someone offended me or someone upset me, I would focus my energy and just blast them into next week. Mm. Um, you know, and, and not in a way because I was looking to harm people just because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't right. know the, the depth of my energy. And I didn't understand that when I focused and I directed that energy at someone who wasn't prepared for it, it hurt. Mm -hmm. It was just as much as punching somebody. Um, and, and I could never understand what, for a long time, I could never understand what she was talking about. What are you, like, what are you talking about? Why is that my problem? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just telling the truth because it wasn't that what I was saying was wrong. It was what, I, how I was doing it that was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So the years that it took to, to really peel back the, that understanding of my own field and my own energy and the responsibility I have to not only manage it, but to understand the impact of it so that as I deal with people and as I was working with people that, um, that developed into a strong sense of, of compassion and a strong sense of, of uh, this kind of idea where I don't, I don't, I don't see things as broken. I don't see people as broken. I see mm -hmm. that I see their wholeness. And that's why I'm so good at, at helping people to reframe their experience because I don't see it as a broken experience. I see it as wholeness migrating into from unhealthy to healthy. Mm -hmm. and, and how do we do that? So, the fear is a choice aspect continued because for a long time, uh, for many years, it, we just simply had a life. 
you know, after the center closed and, and uh, uh, then I bought a house and, and that was a whole new experience. And, and I was thinking the other day um, about my life because it's so, it's so kind of all over the place, but it was really, and has continued to be all about experience, um, whatever the experience is. So I was, I was literally sitting and thinking about, oh my gosh, if I just start here and start going through the things that I've done or experiences that I've had, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't end the list because it was just, that was, the, that was the thrust of my life. I wanted to be out. I wanted to have as many different experiences as I could to really explore the breadth of what I'm here for. Why am I here? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. So, uh, come, so let's go into the fear. Cause you mentioned yeah. how you kind of broke down, um, you know, I don't know what you would call them in your coaching and things, but I think of like our defenses or like the mm-hmm. walls we've built up over ourselves to protect ourselves. And, you know, there, a lot of that has its roots in fear. Yes. Yes. I agree. So, yeah. So continue Talk about, about fear is a choice. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about your book. <laughs> well, okay. So the, the book, um, I was, Actually, coming to a point, and we'll come back to that, I guess. So oh, okay. That's okay. So fear is a choice. The evolution of the book. <laughs> so I had, we had talked about higher brain living. I had gone into higher brain living, um, put everything into that experience. Uh, and, and that wasn't a direct dot connect. There was a lot to transpire between Phoenix and, and getting to that point. But the short story of that uh, I had been sent a very dear friend of mine uh, who I played tennis with. We were kind of spiritual buddies. And this is another woman who, who, who became a powerful force in my life. We hung out frequently. I mean, we play tennis twice a week and, and just good buddies have lunch here and there. And, and um, she sent me a thing one day because I was looking for what am I going to do? You know, I don't know what I want to mm-hmm. do. And I moved to California and um, I had divorced and, and, and had remarried now to my husband. And, uh, she sent me a thing about this Dr. Cotton guy coming to San Diego and mm. would I be interested? And I was like, hmm, that looks really interesting. I think I'll check this out. <laughs> so, so we did, um, we went to the, we went to the, uh, to the presentation and Drew was there and, and, uh, Sonny was there. And <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they were, you know, when you think back on the people that were there at the time and you go, wow. And I, and then they became good friends and, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I sat in this in this presentation and had the most uncomfortable experience ever. I thought Michael was a horrible speaker. Um, <laughs> he drove me crazy. I was just sitting in the chair and I couldn't sit still. And I was just like, this guy's going to drive me nuts when you get to the point. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the presentation, a woman stood up. There was probably 120 people in the presentation. Mm. And a woman stood up in the back of the room. Who it was, I have no idea stood up in the middle of his presentation and screamed, are you going to get to the point? This is going on forever. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And then she literally turned and walked out of the room and all you could hear was the door slam, but it completely leveled the energy in the room. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then they went to the presentation portion right after that. And that was when my world changed forever, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw that, that, uh, my body was buzzing. I, I was standing next to Drew watching this. And I would look over at him and I'd say, did you just see that? And he said, did you see what? And I said, did you see what that energy just did? Did you see how that just, and I was freaking out because I could, I, I have always been able to observe energy. So mm-hmm. as I'm sitting there watching this going, what the hell is going on right now? And you know, you know, you know Drew, Drew is standing next to me. He's like, you can see that? I said, yes, I can see that. Can you see that? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh my God, I didn't realize that because I didn't, I see it. I didn't know anybody else. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, one thing led to another. We went to an after thing. Now, bear in mind, I had no money. I had, I, I was, you know, we, I was working, but I didn't have anything in savings. I had no way to even consider uh, that at the time. Mm-hmm. And we walked out of that, we walked out of that meeting and Barbara looked at me and said, this is who you are this is who you are and you need to be a part of this. And I'm going to support that. So I'm going to put the money up for you to go to training, open a center, and then we'll set it up so that you can pay me back once the center's opened. And Oh, wow. She, she literally invested $30,000 into me. Wow. Um, that's cool. Every, every dime of which has been paid back. 
Um, it was extraordinary uh, that she did it. It was extraordinary, the evolution of that. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> all that moved forward. Um, I had a center in San Diego for a little over five years. Uh, it was very successful, uh, incredible work, but it also expanded me continually because I was, I was so deeply into everything that was happening. Mm -hmm. And that was where the, the separation with higher brain sort of happened was um, me seeing the potential of this work and the way it was expanding and not feeling that that, that vision was the same with Michael because he had his vision for his work mm -hmm. and, and that was fine. But I, I was to a point where I couldn't, I couldn't see that, that I couldn't live in that box because that wasn't my box. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, expanding out, um, decided to make some adjustments to the program but what also happened was I began to watch the energy go away from the center and not know why, uh, mm -hmm. because I was still, I was still actively engaged. I was doing everything I knew how to do. I was loving what I was doing. I had a good client roster. I mean, it was, it was a great thing, but I was watching the energy literally go away. And, um, and we had gone. Uh, so I finally decided that it, was, it must be time to close the center. And then we went on a trip up to Parker, Arizona to spend some friends on the river. And on the way back, I was driving home. And over the course of the time that I had the center in particular, um, my clients would say to me all the time, Jimmy, you really should write a book. Because we would, mm -hmm. you know, when people came in for their sessions, we'd spend whatever time we needed to at the head of the session to make sure they were ready for the session. So, you know, from my perspective, that if people come in having churned up a whole bunch of stuff and they're not, they haven't processed it or they're stuck in an old viewpoint, that's not going to serve them going into the next session. Mm. So that we would get to a place where the energy felt level. And that, sometimes it would take two minutes. Sometimes it would take five minutes. It was never a, a lengthy process, but anyway, mm -hmm. so uh, doing that in those, in the context of those conversations, I would, I would get those that response a lot and, and particular clients, one that I'm working with on my show now, Moshe, um, used to say, darn it, Jimmy, you should be recording this stuff. You should be recording this stuff. <laughs> and for me, it was like, why would you want to go through, why would you do that? And, and it's really not that big a deal and, uh, and really wasn't feeling my, the strength of what I was doing um, was sort of like, yeah, that's nice, but I feel kind of weird. You want to kind of put it out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so we came back on the way back from this trip. Um, I'm literally no context whatsoever driving down the road. And there's a book in my head. Literally mm -hmm. I'm looking at a book sitting in my head Yeah. and I'm watching and I'm writing the book and, uh, and I'm watching the pages turn literally driving, watching this going on, going, what mm -hmm. in the heck is going on right now? Never had anything. Couldn't remember having had any experience like it. Mm -hmm. Um, had the title of the book, uh, watching the book, right. And, and this went on for probably half an hour. And wow. I was like, holy crap, this, I guess I'm writing a book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that what this is? And so that got really exciting. And I thought, well, that's really cool. And so I came home, we got back from the trip. I thought, well, cool. This is great. Sat down in front of the computer and got nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what's going on? That was a powerful, <laughs> powerful. What is going on? Yeah. That went on for three or four months um, of absolute nothing. I couldn't tap into that for enough. I couldn't find it. I, I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I could feel it. I knew it was there, but I was like, what happened? Yeah. I went to, went to, uh, went to visit a very dear friend of mine who lived in Mexico, um, who was an author. And I shared with him the inspiration that took place. And he was very excited for me and said, well, Jim, now you just got to do the work. And I looked at him and I said, I, I can't even believe you just said that to me. That's that phrase I had used easily, easily 10 or 20 times a day. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With my clients, you know, yeah. you just got to do the work. That's all you just got. Uh -huh. Here it is. ABC, just do the work. That's all. You don't have to, you know, don't complicate this. Mm -hmm. So he's saying back to me, Jim, just do the work. And as soon as he said it and I, and, and I made the connection in my own consciousness, I went, Oh, wait, I've never been an author. I, I've never done this before. I have no idea how to approach this. Maybe I need to approach it from that perspective instead of deciding I got this new toy I'm going to play with. Um, and so that realization shifted me and I thought, okay, I need to be more receptive to this because I have no idea what I'm doing. And so that led to literally, I came back from the trip the next morning. Um, I had a phrase in my head that said, I want to take you on a journey. 
And that phrase was loaded in that I could feel and see all the stuff behind it. But all I had in front of me was the phrase, I, I, I want to take you on a journey. And mm-hmm. I got so excited um, and so just like overwhelmed with it. And so I literally did get up. I made a cup of coffee and I sat at the computer and I started and I typed those words. I want to take you on a journey. Mm. And 20, 20 pages later. Oh, cool. Um, I looked up and went, oh my gosh. And that went on for pretty close to a year, um, uh-huh. six months, a year. You know, it's pretty close to a year uh, where I would, I would be inspired by some phrase or some thought or some, some, something would, would trigger me. And that trigger would set up that same experience where I would, oh, okay, uh, we need to talk about this aspect of fear. Or, or at the time, it wasn't constructed in thinking of, of a book. It was just information. So I would get a concept in my head about, okay, we choose our parents. What's that? You know, let's, let's evolve that. Mm-hmm. And, and so each one would evolve. And then I connected it the best way I knew how. Um, and, uh, and then just sat with it, um, which I think is also part of the process. So the fear is a choice process. Um, I think, honestly, Rachel, this, this book can change people's lives. And, and the reason I feel that way is when you understand your relationship with fear and when you consciously enter into that relationship, it changes your life forever. Um, there's nothing that I've found that has as profound an impact as understanding the evolution of fear and then seeing your relationship to it and understanding the power you have to not engage it. Mm. That you can make choices that are about potential and possibility and, and, and opportunity instead of choices that are about fear and, and unworthiness and, 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 and uh, not being enough. Mm-hmm. And all, all of those, while there are, for all of us, there are those things that lie beneath the conscious threshold that are the beliefs that we've carried for generations in the DNA and, and all of that, that aspect of ourselves what is coming, what it is to become conscious is to bring that information from the subconscious to the conscious level so that it can be processed and so that it can be looked at from an objective perspective to say, is this serving? Does this mm-hmm. serve anything other than old beliefs that are, that are hampering my experience? And so you have the ability to consciously release. And I found that fear on so many levels, there's two things that I found specifically that are the largest and most, uh, uh, most encompassing of the fear experience and, 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 and how you can make choices about fear. One, and that is the fear of death and the fear of worthy, un- unworthiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found that I, I think I was fortunate with my experience in particular with the center because I got to stand in the face of death and, and not fight with it not argue with it, not, not try to make it something different than it was, but to understand it for what it is. Um, that it is a transition, just like every transition we go through. It's just, and, and like every transition we go through, you're crossing a threshold, a doorway, that you have no idea what's on the other side of until you choose and trust to step across that threshold. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you find the, the clarity within you to say, okay, this truth is moving me through this doorway, once you go through that doorway, it completely and radically changes the foundation from which you, you move through your life. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be big, big aha things. Um, I think with the, the thing with understanding the relationship with fear is that, and especially within the context of my book, there are some concepts that people may not resonate with or may not grasp or may not really even be able to put their minds around. And that's okay. The fact that they're even entertaining it is expanding where they are right there, right then. Even for just a little bit, it creates space in their own consciousness so that stuff can begin to show up. And -hmm. then they still have the opportunity to look at it and and to process it, or they can choose to shut it down. But what it does as a foundation is it stimulates those thoughts, it stimulates those ideas, it stimulates those concepts so that you have the opportunity to look at them and and make a choice. The choice can be the same, but it's still a choice. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. 
So talk to you, what is the power of discovering fear as a choice? And then what happens or what's on the other side of stepping forward? Oh, my goodness. In, in our <laughs> intuition, in our yeah. faith, in our trust of life. So I think the core of all of it, when you, when you, when you understand that fear is a choice, it, it, it doesn't take fear out of the equation. And what I mean by that is that fear doesn't just vanish and go away and you never have to deal with it again. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that it, like all energies, shows up for a purpose. It shows up to, to demonstrate and reflect to us what we're feeling or thinking or believing about ourselves. So the transformation that takes place when you cross the threshold of understanding that fear is a choice is that it, it encompasses a number of things. Because in order to cross that threshold, you have to build the muscle. You have to build, I, I'm calling it a muscle, but in a way it sort of is, through daily practice, through things that you do that connect you to the deepest part of yourself. And again, that's going to be different for everybody, depending on where you are in your own evolution, in your own process, in your own understanding. And so there's no, there's no right, wrong, bad, or different. It is what serves your process. And so the thing that I've discovered that works really well for me and how to determine that is a simple construct of energy up or energy down. Mm-hmm. And that construct is, is this simple. If I'm getting ready to do something and my energy drops, I stop. I don't do it. I don't engage it. I step back because the dropping of my energy is an indication that I either don't know something, I need more information, or I need to learn something more in order to interact with whatever it is I'm trying to interact with. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what it is. It matters not what it is. You can tell yourself a story all day long about how important this thing is that has to get done. But as long as you continue to make that thing more important than you, then you're continuing to exacerbate the challenge of the fear that you're trying to deal with. Mm-hmm. So energy down says, stop, reassess. Let me, let me take a look at my energy. What's going on for me right now? Why is this? Why is this? Sometimes I don't get a direct answer. Sometimes it's more of, okay, I just need to step away for a minute. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm going to do. And when I do that, my energy comes back up to level and I'm no longer in that either triggered or, or stimulated state. So now I'm back to, and I may, maybe I'll go do some breathing. Maybe I'll sit in meditation for a few minutes or I'll go for a little walk, whatever the case may be to mm-hmm. disengage my energy from that. And then when I do that and I allow that to unfold, then when I do come back, Maybe the second time it's not any better, but maybe the third time it is because I've got my energy lined up in the place that this thing I want to do is going to be coming from the best part of me. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and I, I love that you're speaking to that. One thing I was thinking of or was coming to me was a sometimes it's a not yet. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you think you have to send this email yes. right now. And it's like, actually, you can feel within you like, no, and it might just be a not yet. Maybe it's supposed to happen exactly. later today. <laughs> That is and, such a beautiful And we thing. can be so guided in those, when we can tune into those subtleties. And, and that is a perfect example of what happens when you surrender the fear, when you don't choose that. So I, I compare the two, the thing that I, that I like to say, because, especially because of the higher brain living influence, is that do you choose to live in opportunity or do you choose to live in fear? Mm-hmm. Because this, the, the mechanics are still the same. When I'm doing breathing and I'm stimulating and I'm and I'm stimulating those points and I'm and I'm actively engaging my breath, I am uh, I am shifting into the prefrontal cortex. I'm activating that part of my my brain and my consciousness that is all about opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, how do I how do I support that in my choices? Um, so that threshold before the threshold, there is lack of trust, lack of faith, uh, judgment, resistance are the key, probably the four key things that are a a staple of most people's experience in some level, form, or another. Um, When I talk about resistance, I'm not talking necessarily about the the obvious resistance. I'm I'm looking at the things like we were just talking about. When you sit in front of, you know, you're going to write this email and your energy drops, that is an indication, timing, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter. You don't know what you don't know in the moment. What you know is that your energy drops, which is an indication that if you trust your energy, if you have faith that you're always, 
that everything is always working out for me, that I am always supported and guided, and you allow for that possibility to exist, then you release the resistance to it. And by releasing the resistance to it, the energy can shift and change so that if it's timing, if it's wording, if it, whatever it is, you'll get clear. You'll gain, you'll get that clarity. You'll get a phone call from the person you were going to email. You'll get, Mm -hmm. you'll get an email from the person you, something will happen because of the trust level that's there that is saying, oh, there's not anything to fear here. Uh, I'm worthy. I'm great. I'm focused. I'm connected. All that good stuff. So, so. Yeah. And I, I don't have to frantically scramble in doing this. Like, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) people, I'm excited. You know, people probably won't believe much of my process uh, and that's okay because it's mine. But um, even with writing this book, it's literally, I spend my time in meditation, just releasing resistance. That's Mm. all Mm -hmm. just releasing resistance. It, just finding the path of least resistance and allowing myself to be guided that direction. Um, because that to me speaks of worthiness. That to me speaks of a choice of opportunity that does not speak of fear. Um, and it doesn't, but con- and con- concurrently, there can be moments in there, excuse me, where because I don't know what's on the other side of the threshold, when I make the choice and I stand in my truth and I'm ready to walk through that door, it doesn't mean that the fear doesn't come after me like a rabid dog. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't mean that the fear isn't back there trying to nip my heels going, dude, seriously, really think about this. Are you sure you want to go there? Yeah. Um, Our voice might shake. Our knees may tremble. (laughs) Exactly. But, but again, the step is not in resistance to that voice. Mm -hmm. It's allowing it, knowing that, when I step through that threshold, that voice stays in the old threshold, stays in the old room. And I've now elevated my, my frequency or my energy to a place that at least in that context, I've made a choice of non-resistance, which does not allow for that energy to get into my field and cause disruption. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that I'm not going to confront different elements because I'm constantly in evolution. So I've worked out that particular facet or that particular pocket of energy that I've carried about a belief about fear. And now that no longer has impact. But if you think about our experience as, I need to back up a second here because I want to clarify something that I, that, that I believe very strongly. And that is the DNA that, that exists in our physical body. The DNA to me is the roadmap of everything we have been, everything we are, and everything we will be. And that it is the, res- the, the repository of all of the experiences, the emotional energetic experiences that we lodge into our lives as a part of how we make choices and decisions in our lives. Mm. And that the whole purpose of being here to me is about unraveling that and clearing the things that are, and I don't mean that in an active sense of like, I'm going on a mission. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's yeah. not... It's, it's more a part of the process of, as you were saying, the, the doing process. It's, it's part of the be to, excuse me, the be, do, have model, meaning that I, I focus my life in beingness. And in being in that space, I allow myself to be inspired to doing from being. Mm-hmm. And that inspiration is always steps that I can take that further my ability to have whatever it is I'm looking for, whatever experience I'm wanting to create. So I start in beingness, and that is a non-resistant place, a non-conditional place. Um, And see, all of those, I'm using those words, but all of those layers have to be cleared. All of those pieces have to be cleared for each individual Mm -hmm. Um, in their own way, in their own context, in in the context of their own life experience. Uh, So that's why the thing for me is that there is no wrong approach. It's all about choices and where those choices lead you. So if you're going to make choices and the choices on the face don't, maybe don't, again, if the energy is going up, then dive in both feet, head first, whatever you want. Um, if the energy, whatever you're going to get to do is causing your energy to spin up. And, and again, clarification, spinning up is an uplifting feeling that nothing seems to change it. 
So even though you have parts of that mind, part of that ego that wants to reach up and pick at it and say, you know, you're not good enough. You know, that's not going to happen. No, you know, you know, the energy of upliftment is so powerful that the noise doesn't matter. The story doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. move into that. You move into that choice because you are inspired and it almost feels like a choiceless choice. It, it's so clear and so evident that you just naturally go there because it's going to enhance your alignment. It's going to enhance your clarity and further release you from any, any resistance caused by fear. Mm -hmm. So again, and this I, idea of crossing I think to it, like this sounds so, um, I don't know, abstract isn't the word, but it, it's, there's physiology to this also. Yes. What we're speaking to or what you're speaking to. And um, it's really, we can shift our physiology and get out of the fear reactions in our body. And so that our body and mind can thrive and feel good and heal and all of that. Exactly. That's yeah, it. So it's a I am so thing. excited to read your book, Jim. It's Thank just, you. yes, I was looking it over this morning. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is going to be really good. And I love everything you're speaking to. Yeah. Anything you want to um, leave the listeners with about fear as a choice or, or a potential for them? Sure. Um, well, let's say first here that, that um, we're going to go into pre-sales. I believe it's this week or next week. Um, my website, uh, I, do a, I do a live show two times a week called Adventures in Truth. And that is on, um, we do that live on Facebook Live and YouTube Live and E360 TV, which is a, uh, an app. Um, that operates through Roku and uh, Amazon and Apple TV. And, oh, cool. Um, uh, so Wednesday mornings at 8 a.m., or excuse me, Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Mountain Time and Friday afternoons at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, we do two live shows. Um, for the book, um, to reach the book, you can go to my website, which is adventuresintruth.com. And there you'll see a section on the book and I will have links up to for the pre-orders here. I'm hoping like in the next few days, um, but you can check. I have my personal Facebook page, Jim Case. We have uh, Got Joy, the Science of Transformation, which is the umbrella company and um, uh, Adventures in Truth, which is the show. And of course, then Furious of Choices is the book, which cool. came before all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, the book didn't come as a result of those things. The book came first and everything else came after that. Yeah. Oh, um, Cool. So you can go there, uh, you'll see a section there and there'll be a link that you can connect to um, for pre-orders and, um, or you can, you know, you can reach out uh, via the Facebook pages. When I do the lives on Wednesdays and Fridays, if you go to Adventures in Truth Facebook page or Got Joy the Science Transformation, you can interact with the show there. So you can actually ask questions or you can make comments that come right into the show so I can, we can interact and respond to you um, oh, nice. in, in uh, live terms. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really, you know, I know authors always talk about their books and, and but I really believe, uh, I don't hold this as, as so much mine. I got to, I, I feel very fortunate that that block landed in my lap and I got to learn how to translate it. Mm -hmm. And, and that was a process in and of itself. Um, and to be able to share this stuff, um, it, it so radically changed my life. And I think that it will radically change anyone who participates with it just because it will change your relationship with fear. Yeah. Sim plain and simple. Love it. Yeah. And it's just, you're speaking to such a, a deep truth of what our potential is here as, as humans living a, you know, spiritual experience or, yes. spiritual, you know, spirits living yeah. a human experience and, <laughs> and whatever all that is. <laughs> Can, may, may I say one other thing? Yes, please. Um, I, I wanted to uh, to address your comment um, because it sound I, I recognize I, I'm a very energy focused person. That's that's the thing I do in the world. Um, mm -hmm. I understand it. I, I see it. I, I see the dynamic of its interactions. So there's sort of a technical thing for me, and 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 I want to I want to clarify that it doesn't make it complicated. I'm trying, I, I'm, and the book is not complicated in that fashion at all. Cool. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of examples. There's a lot of um, showing you from my life experience, how these concepts apply and why they apply and, and how they, how you can, how you get to interact with it and then make different choices. So 
um, I want to, I, I try to talk about it from the perspective of energy because ultimately that's what it is. And mm -hmm. I don't want people to get bogged down in their stories because their stories really don't matter. The stories are just noise. There's just ways of making meaning of things that you don't understand. And when you make meaning, you create belief systems. And when you create belief systems, those go back under the conscious threshold. They become part of the fuel for what takes you to where you go next. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's about being conscious of the energy. It's about being conscious of understanding how it works. You don't have to understand it to the degree that I feel like I do. But I think it's important for people to grasp that there are distinctions and there's a reason for the distinctions. And, and when you learn to make fear a choice, then you, you are at a place where you can begin to objectify every experience so that it isn't an emotionally triggered experience, but it is an experience that becomes something that is an object in the field of your awareness that you have options for how you experience. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Okay, so I, I, I wanted to clarify because it, uh, it's not, the book is not this wordy weird thing that you have to get around all these words and all these concepts and that construct. I, I really wanted it to be as accessible as possible. Mm -hmm. um, it so, is a beautiful so, read. I, I've yeah. looked through it and it's really Good. neat. I'm excited. Yes. I'm excited for you too. <laughs> yes. And you know, I, anytime I read something like this, I just, there's always moments of growth. There's ahas always. we can gain and shifts we can get from, um, you know, taking in some context and then re seeing things in a new light, really. Yes. And it's enlightening. Yeah. It's one of the things that I, I do at the beginning of my show. Every show I, I take, we do a, a about a five minute meditation to, to get present, um, cool. to bring people all to the moment of this um, so that you can begin to, to really enjoy the moment of this, what this is. And it's mm. the same, I think with a book, I you love know, that. make sure you're bring yourself to this moment so that you're fully aware of what's happening right now. So, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jim. I've loved oh this. Gosh, Rachel, thank you. I, this is an amazing conversation and, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. You are so welcome. Look forward to connecting again. Sounds good. Hey, Rev with Rachel listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's a pleasure to share these important life transforming and healing topics with you. As always, remember to rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love. EWN Podcast Network.